shame has a purpose. If you are an asshole, then you need to change if you want to be socially included. If you don't do anything proactively to for other people to want you to be included, it's not a slight. It's not that you're a doormat. They just don't think of you. You're, you're not on everybody's mind every second of the day. You have to create those social links yourself. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Tyler Weeb. Today we're going to talk about something that I'm probably going to have to title after the fact because there are so many tangents to what we're going to discuss. But the idea came to me, Tyler, I have talked to so many people who are in the throes of therapy of some sort, just seeing a counselor wanting to improve their mindset in some way. And I'm seeing a a trend that kind of bothers me. Um, you and I are both fans of this. We've both seen different people for different reasons. I, I love it. I feel like it's a it's a good coach. Um, if I feel like there's something I want to grow or challenge myself into, why not? Why not work with a licensed mental health therapist who has that kind of experience? But in today's politically bifurcated, polarized camps, um, and we can get into all of those different aspects. On the left, where even people who would consider themselves liberal or progressive are all of a sudden looking way over to the left saying, oh, my gosh, what's happening over there with the wokeism? And it, nobody can even you know, say a certain word without being, quote, canceled and so forth. And here's what I'm seeing. I had conversations with three different people in the same week. And at some point, things were brought up like this. One person said, I am not going to be a doormat anymore. I am going to, I'm just not going to let those people treat me that way. And I thought, oh, wow, I've heard this before quite often here recently. And I said, well, what are they doing to you? And nothing, crickets. Well, if you're being used as a doormat, what, like, what are they doing? Well, I just, I don't, um, you know, they... They just don't include me in things or this or that. I, I feel like a second-class citizen. So, okay, so they're not doing anything to you. You just don't like that. Is that. What are you doing to be included? And again, silence. And I'm like, so I, I get into this with a couple different people, and it's almost a reflex for therapists just to instantly think anybody who needs mental health support needs to be assertive. We need to be more confident. We need to tell people, these are my needs. You fulfill them for me. And there's a sense of entitlement that smacks a little bit of arrogance. And uh, every time I've challenged people with this, they don't even know how to how to put that into practice, what they're being told. So my, my thought is that this kind of goes into that shame versus guilt or arrogance and entitlement versus feeling worthy and included. But these are two polar extremes. And contextually, I think we need to all consider where we are somewhere in the middle and, and what's healthier for our needs with that particular context. But anyway, with, with, with that, just as a simple background, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. It can be so hard sometimes to... Again, I think, you know, we, a common thing we talk about is you're getting out of your own way and getting out of your own head. And 
you know, trying to be objective with yourself of, you know, am I inserting myself into the conversation, let's say, right? Like, you know, we say X isn't meeting X, right? And so, you know, is it truly, am I doing my part? Is that person doing their part? And so it can be a very hard and difficult emotional thing to navigate because we never want to look at ourselves and be the first reaction to be, yeah, I'm definitely not doing enough because, well, we have to live with ourselves. We want to think that we're perfect and we're amazing and we do our part, but they're not doing their part. And it always comes back to, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, yeah, being, be not being able to step outside of yourself. And so, you know, how that wasn't necessarily my experience with therapy. Um, you know, it was a lot of that internal work that you kind of mentioned at the beginning where it's like, Hey, I know I have things I need to work on. And so these are the things that I, you know, want to do and need to do. Now, those things have certainly, I think, led to a bit more, you know, self-confidence in that sense. But it's also because I've been able to get to know myself more, my desires, my wants, my needs. And once, you know, I think I've been able to figure that out, that's really been able to paint the direction and what I need to do and what direction I need to go in. Right. Like, does that, does that make sense? Like, yeah. And I, we're talking about, and you are inserting yourself into the responsibility element of that. For example, we know in chimpanzee and in baboon studies, gorillas, um, you know, you have that alpha male dominant figure that, that kind of rules a troop. Uh, But we know if that, that male that is a quote chosen leader, like they, they have allowed it to happen. The troop, if he is a total asshole, if he is arrogant and demanding and abusive, the other beta males will band together and they will murder him. They will literally kill him. But if that alpha male is also reciprocating in grooming and, you know, social care and those kind of things, then everybody lives happily ever after. And my point to that is evolutionarily, shame has a purpose. If you are an asshole, then you need to change if you want to be socially included. If you don't do anything proactively to for other people to want you to be included, it's not a slight. It's not that you're a doormat. They just don't think of you. You're, you're not on everybody's mind every second of the day you have to create those social links yourself. So so some of these people that I'm talking about range from teenagers up to almost my age, and they're getting the same advice. And it's always, you deserve, you deserve, you deserve. People should do this for you. You should expect this. And I get that in some therapy context that that does need to be said, but I just don't think it's, it's the whole picture. So I, I just, I, I think some of the greatest growth moments in my life have happened because somebody called me out on stuff. And sometimes it wasn't the gentle, hey, Joe, can I talk to you about this? Sometimes it's just an aggressive insult. And even though I want to fight back, when the emotional dust settled and I reflected and said, is, that, is there any truth to that? I realized there was. If somebody perceives something negative about me, I I can do something good with that information. And so shame and feeling less than socially included 
can serve a very good purpose. And that's how anthropologically it always has if we utilize it that way. Yeah, it definitely has to be from someone you trust, though. I think someone that knows you quite well. I think, you know, that's definitely something to be said because you're you're probably always going to get negative reactions at some point in your life. And it's important to gauge, okay, does this person's opinion matter? <laughs> that I think that's an important distinction to make as well. You know, um, but coming, you know, coming and realizing, uh, you know, the, the amount of self-responsibility, you know, that we have with our own lives. Uh, it took me a long time to, to realize that. And I would say, you know, not, not to say that I wasn't aware of it, but even more so, you know, over the last six, seven months, it's become even more of an awareness for, for myself. And, the 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 level of you know tenacity the level of responsibility the level of awareness um to to look ahead to go okay you know this is what i know i want to do so now these are the steps that are going to take me to that you know that requires a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection and to you know in a sense though also not worry about what other people are thinking about you to be your authentic self and just to let it come out, let it be. And if you can pursue those things with your authentic self, you know, I think you are going to get what you quote unquote deserve because you are manifesting, you know, that, that goal or, or whatever that might be. And so, you know, in a sense, yes, maybe we do deserve those things, but you still have to go out and earn, you know, earn that deserve is, is kind of, that's probably not proper English, but it's kind of what I want to say. So, I think you know those are the things that we have to kind of take a look at it is yeah okay you deserve everything that you may want but are you willing to go put in that self-responsibility and that work to go get it you said two amazing things there that i had i had wanted to bring up and you just brought them both up one is that word earn because when i hear these phrases coming from these therapized friends and they say you know i deserve or I'm not going to stand for that anymore. My initial reaction is, well, earn that. Like, you know, you know, I, I don't just expect people to respect me or like me. I have to go out and I have to socially earn that. That is social capital. Um, but then the other part is, as you're talking about the emotions and, and whether or not, you know, you can even trust this advice if it's coming from somebody who hates you undeservedly and so forth, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I do think there's some value in that too, though, because, you know, maybe that maybe that is, in a, is an extreme reaction, but maybe there is some value to knowing that um, you, you have to be able to step out of your limbic system and int intellectualize it a little bit to be able to say, hmm, yeah, maybe so, but maybe not. Let me think about this. I don't have to stew in this right now and, and, and make changes based on raw emotion, but it makes me think of our sport, uh, you know, physique sport, as well as performance sport. If, if you're, if you're a, you know, 333% batter, you know, you, you have struck out or gotten out two out of three times. And yet that's a hall of fame statistic. Um, you know, and I was a baseball player. Yeah. I, I know what it's like to walk up to the plate and fail half the time. If I smash my bat and cry and whine and, and I feel shamed, that's not going to do me any good the next time up to the plate. And similarly, in our sport of physique competition, I mean, my gosh, 100 competitors, 200, 600 competitors, 
how many people win, you know, one person per class, one people per division. You could be amazing and it could be the best you've ever, ever worked, the hardest you've ever worked. And you come in 16th place. You can't feel shame or guilt about that, but that's still valuable information. I know you're going to feel that it's going to sting. It's going to just, it's going to create anger, disappointment, frustration, but again, let that emotion settle and then intellectualize what's the information that's useful here? What can I do now to improve? And I did, there's just so many direct links between every aspect of life that matters to us. We wouldn't put so much emotional weight on it if it didn't matter. And that's why shame and failure and frustration is actually quite useful if we'll use it that way. Just back to baseball, I'm always amazed, like you can fail more than you succeed and you're considered the best in your industry. It's just, it's just wild to me. I think it's kind of awesome though. It kind of can really teach, I think a lot of good good lessons on, on how failing is okay, right? Um, the, you know, the, the one other thing um, that I had wanted to, wanted to touch on, um, it was, you know, it, it, oh, yes, sorry, bodybuilding and self-responsibility and, you know, how this all connects and how, you know, I think pursuing, you know, this type of whether, you know, it's getting on stage, being a power lifter, um, you know, or just, you know, losing 100 pounds of body fat, so much of it is just self-responsibility, like, because you literally have control almost everything that is going to get you those results, Right. And it can be such a impersonal, personal, intense journey for somebody. And if there's never been a time in their life where they've taken on that self-responsibility, you know, I think that's where we see a lot of times people, you know, failing over and over and get, regaining the same weight. And of course, there's a lot of other factors that go into it, but you know, it is that self-responsibility of, hey, I have control over every single day of, of what I eat, how much I eat, how I train, what I train, cardio, sleep, all of it. We have the perfect control. The only thing we don't have control with this is our genetics, right? But for the most part, 99% of people will not ever train up to their genetic potential. That's just, you know, that's just not going to happen unless you're like the best natural bodybuilder in the world, a bikini competitor, what have you. So, I think that's such an awesome lesson and a journey for people to really teach a lot of self-responsibility because of all those things that you just, if you don't do, guess what? It ain't going to happen. And so you have to be able to have that responsibility to do it. Uh, Dr. Adam fight is on our nutrition coaching global mastermind board. And we had a session this week, our monthly mastermind. And um, he has a doctorate in exercise science with a concentration in sports psychology. And he is just, just part of this big, big, big topic we were talking about in terms of how do we as coaches use the tools we can within our scope of practice psychologically and through mindset training and emotional regulation to help our clients, you know, digging into the psych side of coaching. And of course, he brought up the, the concept that is perfectly foundational, which is self-efficacy which is another way of talking about responsibility. And self-efficacy at its root means me having the ability to see what I can control in that situation. So I lose, I feel shame, I feel slighted by somebody. Socially, something has happened to me where I just feel like I'm less than, well, self-efficacy, how can I take responsibility for that? What can I do about it? Because just sitting in it, and stewing and saying, I'm not going to let those people treat me that way. Well, what are you going to do? 
I mean, who who are they? What are they doing? What are yeah. you going to do? Where where is that responsibility? Where's that action? And yeah. it, it really does make me think about existentialism and absurdism again as just a worldview. And I'm going to, I'll probably anger some people. So let me qualify this, that if you're way, 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 way on that left side where you think, no, we all deserve that and so forth. I'll say, yes, there are some people who need almost a therapeutic intervention to help understand these concepts. For most of us, no, you don't deserve a fucking thing. You earn everything, even the right to be happy. You earn that right. You know, Tyler, two different people can experience the same thing. It devastates one and the other person says, wow, I'm going to use that to improve myself. And so that perspective that I don't deserve this, I'm not entitled to it. I need to do something to insert myself into these social groups and into life so that I can enjoy that. If I give that to other people, because we're all wanting the same things. So why don't I go help somebody else achieve that? And I'll bet you, guess what? They're going to reciprocate and I'm going to have a friend and I'm going to have, I'm going to build a social network competitively in our sport with friends, everybody else that is really thriving. And now because of my self-efficacy, my sense of responsibility and action, I have built what I wanted, but not by sitting back and saying, I deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. People don't care what you want. They care what you're able to give. Like it, it, you know, just exactly like you said, it, once you're able to start giving that whatever it might be, Hey, let me help out with this. Let me help out with that. I know, you know, you always talk about how, you know, when you started out doing the speaking circuit, you know, blast one there, putting chairs away, always helping out. You know, it's, it's a lot of those small little things that shows that, Hey, I'm just bought in to like being a helpful person in, in, in any capacity that I am able to do, whatever is needed. I'm here, whether it's, you know, I'm not above putting away chairs or, or coaching, you know, world, you know, world level competitors, right? Like there is nothing inherently different. I'm going to do that work the same. I do everything right with a smile on my face, even if you're not feeling it, maybe sometimes. Um, And once people will see, once you, you know, you're able to give, uh, you know, I feel like I'm kind of just repeating you, but it, it is such a good point and it needs to be harped on is, that's when you're going to get what you deserve or what you want or, or whatever that might be. But you got to learn to give first. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, uh, some of the best leaders in the world, it's, it's leading by example. You're at the head of the team. You're doing the dirty work because if the leader isn't going to do the dirty work, why should all the, the, ba- the beta workers, let's call it, right? And so I think just that level of leadership is so, so important to creating an environment where everyone's pulling on the same rope for that same whatever you know that overarching goal might be because they see that you know maybe the most popular or the most hard you know whatever they're the highest paid in act you know in athletes they're the hardest one working in the room it's just going to kind of give everyone that shame where it's like oh man that guy's making 10 million i'm only making a million and he's working harder than me i better step up my game because that's that that's that standard we're looking for. And the hardest person to do this, everything that you just said, and this is me, it, it's the painful introvert, because as we talked about inserting yourself in these situations, being socially active, so you get social reaction. Some people just can't do it. 
And I, I mean, I wish I wouldn't have waited until my mid to late forties and early fifties to, to risk this. But I, I have found out, uh, as I said, everybody wants this and yet everybody's kind of afraid to risk it. And so now it's a practice for me, even in the most banal situations to just go up to people and try to strike up a conversation, say something nice and gregarious and try to invite people into conversation because that's what I wish people would have done for me in my younger days when I was painfully shy. And, and now as I, as I do that, I receive more of that interaction back and I'm, I, I become more notable. And I, I guess what we're describing as somebody who's just included more, it's kind of my initial opening remarks, just yeah. because I'm the guy taking that initiative and it's painful for people who, who struggle with that. But the more you do it, the more you practice it, the more you, you realize that everybody wants that. And now you get to be the catalyst for something that helps them and you achieve the same thing. Yeah, for, for, for us introverts, it's very, very much a give and take. You really have to keep track of your level of, of uh, social fullness because sometimes it can definitely become like that overwhelming like, okay, I need to go be a recluse for a week, right? And I still think that there is certainly benefit of that and in, in paying attention to that give and take of inserting yourself, doing this, doing that, but still, you know, making sure that your tank is staying full because, you know, I always come back to, if you're not right, you can't be right for others. And, and that's such an important thing that we always have to keep in mind is, you know, making sure that we're right. We are having that self-responsibility for ourselves first and foremost, because only off of that, you know, can we give the most of ourselves to other people in, in those short bursts or, you know, the waves or whatever, you know, might have you if you're not a, a very extroverted person. And as just an example, this particular podcast went way better than I thought. Um, I, I had a topic I thought we, I needed to discuss. I had no idea what was going to come out because there were so many tangents to it. And just, just risking that, I, I thought there was a lot of cohesion and, and competence to it. So again, that no, nothing will happen unless you open your mouth and, and give it a shot. So uh, I hope that helps everybody watching, listening, but uh, Tyler, as always, thank you. And we'll see you guys next time in the mind muscle connection.